0: Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast. This is your host, Tony Kane. So as a business coach, it's my job to give you the tools, the tips, and the motivation for you to take your business and your life to the next level. And each and every week, I bring you a new guest who's been in your shoes. Guests that have started, scaled, and now own really successful businesses. And I like to get into their heads and figure out what made them so successful. So before we get started today, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the School for Life Foundation. Annabelle and the team there, they raise money to build schools and help more children in Uganda to go to school. So it's a sad fact, but only 7 out of 10 kids in Uganda actually finish primary school. So the team there, they raise money and enable people to actually sponsor kids to go to and finish school. So it's a great organization. And if you have the capacity, I'd love for you to head over to schoolforlife.org, sponsor a child, and you'll be able to watch them go to and complete school I guarantee it's the most fulfilling thing that you'll do this year so thanks so much for the team at school for life foundation and now let's get into today's episode today I've got Scott Schindler joining us again I wanted to get Scotty back in he's just an all-around great bloke and uh, he's a real inspiration for me and many others and Scotty's an advisor a mentor and a speaker And he just knows business back to front. So I wanted to get Scotty's take on how he's finding it out there in, I suppose you could say, these tough business conditions. So if you haven't heard Scotty's story, head back to episode 21. That's where me and Scotty went real deep into his background and how he came to be to start up a real estate technology company that, in the end, managed over a trillion dollars of real estate. So he knows businesses back to front, and I hope you really enjoy today's follow-up chat with Scotty Schindler. Scotty, thanks for coming back on the show today, mate. I was uh, really keen to get you back on and get a bit of an update since we last spoke. It's been a, it's been a rough, a rough wave. Talking in your terminology, mate, it's been an absolute circus out there. How are you holding up personally?
1: Personally, look, um, I guess if you're talking about surf, we had a really good winter. The surf was good. <laughs> so, lucky for us, lucky for us in New South Wales, we're allowed to go surfing. Those poor guys in Victoria couldn't go surfing, but um, you know the surf was good during COVID. So. But unfortunately, every, everyone was out surfing. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's the downside. I tell you what, mate, um, we spoke, you know, literally um, before COVID really went into full swing. Mate, talk me through from a business perspective. I know you've launched the 1357 system. So how's it all going?
1: Yeah, look, it's going really well. So when I came up with, you now for, for the last few years, I've been talking about, you know, what I did and the journey I went on. And when I came up with the system and a way of talking about business in a systematic way, people just understood it better. So it's been uh, a big transition from just sharing knowledge to sharing knowledge that also has a system. And, And it just took that epiphany moment. So in a sense, it's been great, especially in the USA. The USA seems to be really grabbing onto it. They love success over there. And there's just people subscribing all the time, joining up to learn more, which has been fascinating.
0: Mate, we spoke about this last time. I think it was off air about the growth mindset of of, of people in the US compared to Australia. Um, Mate, um, and and talk us a little bit um, through about the system for the listeners out there who don't know, and I'll I'll have links to the show notes for everyone out there to get access to Scotty's system, but could you just give us a quick rundown, Scotty, of how the system works and what's involved?
1: Yeah, well, look, essentially um, I was really big on systems when I started the company Renet, and, you know, I... I I executed all the things and then I came up with a way of presenting it in such a way that people could understand it. And it, you know, it wraps around a success triangle. Um, there's, there's you at the top with the one, there's the three pillars, there's the five business solutions, and then there's the seven ways to manage time. And, and that just seemed to make sense to people. And I've got them around three key areas in business. One is around business itself and you, and you within the business. The other area is around sales. So the one, three, five, seven in sales, and the one, three, five, seven in leadership. So I've created a system around um, those three key areas in business. So, so you in business, sales, and leadership. And if you can be, you know, you can be very good at all three of those. You've got a really successful, you know, career and journey. Whether you're the owner of the business or an employee, it doesn't matter. Um, you can be at any of those levels. So that's what I've done. The other thing I've done with System One Three Five Seven is outside of that is a uh, some masterclass stuff, things that I did that helped me really grow the business um, that are completely different to inside the system 1357. So things like the, how I understood the McDonald's principle, how I did the fish attracting device, the Trojan horse models, all those sorts of really cool things that people can implement in their businesses.
0: I love that because I know for me personally in the clients that I sort of coach Scotty, they need, it's really easy to give them an example of, okay, this is like, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. This is how this institutional organization went from one, you know, one franchise or one office to, to, to 50 or to hundred. And there is a system there. And I think um, what you've done there is the new world where, you know, it used to be that you get people to walk on hot coals and fire them up. Right. That used to be the way that people used to get excited. But I think now, you know, the new age, especially the, the generations coming through and starting a business of their own, they they're already fired up. They know what they want, but they just need a bloody system to help them stay on track and, and get to their outcome a lot quicker.
1: Yep. Correct. And and like even simple things within the system, like uh, business judo is one of the systems to follow, which is about collaboration, leverage, network, win, win, win situations. And and, um, adversity, turning negatives into positive. So just business judo alone is just one of the five business philosophies. And most people, I think, know and understand it. But when I explain it to them in such a way that it either validates what they're doing is correct or it inspires them to to start doing something slightly different so they can work smarter rather than harder.
0: And Scotty, do you find that you are the inflection point where they've thought they were going in the right direction and then you and or the system has actually helped them to stop and go, shit, well, if I if I keep doing what I've always done, I'm going to get what I've always got. So do you find that your system and yourself come in and sort of straighten them up a little bit and get them going down the path that they probably should be going?
1: Yeah, it does do that. Um, and I guess that's the intention or objective of, you know, what i put together for knowledge was so that way people, you know, they, they could actually have that pivot moment and re folks really of value in their business and help them achieve their long-term goals and you know I I, I mean I I actually had all these things in the system before I started the company and all I did was work on those systems for 18 years not not 18 months or 18 days I'm talking years of just implementing the system and if I can help people achieve twice as much in half the time by doing the same things I'm super happy, and and systems are where it's at. And if you want to talk about systems, and I spoke about McDonald's a minute ago, I mean, McDonald's is nothing but systems. You know, all the successful businesses around the world have systems. Look at Amazon now. I mean, Amazon has, you know, they started off as a a way of a system for people selling books, and then they turned into a, a bookstore, and then they got their Amazon Web Services, but everything is system, 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 system. So every business needs their systems, financial systems, sales systems, marketing systems, staff systems, and just follow the systems.
0: Scotty, I talk about that a lot um, in some of the work that I do. And I've been really lucky to be able to scale and sell a couple of businesses. And I'll tell you what, I reckon it was all off the back of those systems. And I used to think of it like this, it sounds a little bit morbid, but I used to always think, I need to have like a Bible for my business that if I, if I wasn't able to come into work tomorrow, got hit by a bus, someone could pick up that Bible and go shit. Okay. Here's what I do for marketing. Here's what I do for sales. Here's what I do for operations. And you know what? I just did that as a bit of a, you know, in the early days, I accidentally did that. Right. But ultimately what that, that manual, right. It had literally every tab. There was a tab for every single component of my business. And they believe it or not, ultimately that's what got me maximum valuations for my business. So, I talk to all my clients It's like, everyone should always be for sale. And I know that you've had a lot of success in selling businesses, but do you do agree that systems are good during the process, but they can also help to get a really good exit.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And it's funny that you say that though, I never had any manuals just so you know. So when I talked about systems and leadership systems and financial systems, they weren't something that was a manual. So you didn't have a manual of what to do next. And we had manuals for clients, but when it came to systems within the business and say the financial systems, I mean it was just, a, it was an embedded system for when I started about how, we, how people paid for their um, subscription with ReNet, how we handled them and what we did. It wasn't necessarily a manualized system, but the system itself was really easy to tap into. It wasn't very complicated. And we all just followed the system. So when someone started in the business, here's the system you follow. It didn't have to be a manual. And if I got hit by a beer truck, one of my biggest goals was always to make myself redundant in my business. So everything I did in the business in the end was because I wanted to do it, not because I had to do it. And I let staff just play with the system and work the system, implement the system, achieve their goals through the systems. And that's how the business grew and grew so well. So I could actually be redundant.
0: And Scotty, let's let's go there because I you know, every second ad on YouTube is about, you know, you know, how you can go and bloody, you know, be a blogger in Thailand. And I, I don't believe in that. I, <laughs> I believe that every business owner needs to be involved in the business to be successful. But I do believe also there's a huge difference between a business owner and a business operator. So let's get tactical for a little bit. For listeners out there who are just under the pump, they're doing everything in the business. Then they've just essentially bought themselves a job. How do you, help clients like that go from just completely absorbed into the business to stepping up and starting to control the business from a more of a owner level as opposed to just purely operational.
1: Yeah. Well, so let me, let me, let me, let me bust a myth to start with. (laughs) So, you know, the, you know, the guy that said you've got to work on your business instead of in your business.
0: I don't know him, but I've heard the phrase a million times. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he probably never really owned a business, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. A professor somewhere, right? It's really hard not to work in your business when it's your business. I mean, you, you, you're laying everything on your line, your house, your car, your lifestyle, everything you worked for for the last five, 10, 15, whatever years, right? So it's hard not to work in your business. But anyway, without saying that some people, as you said, have ended up just giving themselves a job and that it ends up owning them. So hard, the half the battle is the mindset that you can empower other people. See, I had an advantage that I was not the smartest kid at school. So every time I hired someone, they were always smarter than me. Yep. yep. So it was easy for me, easy for me to know that if I hired someone else smarter than me, I needed to leverage off them. So a lot of what I teach people now is it's okay to hire people that are smarter than you and let them do their job better than you. So turn your $5 jobs into $50 hours through someone else. And even if they're $50 hours the same as you, in other words, you value your hours the same, it's okay to let them do it, you know, and let them do it, let them make mistakes and then and, and teach and train and nurture these people up so you become redundant. And that is a mindset shift. Did I work in the business all the way along? Oh, 100%, I mean, I never let go of it once. But at the same time, I managed to travel around Australia for six months in a caravan, and the business kept running. I went to America with the kids for three months. The business kept running. I went to Indonesia for was it, five or six weeks with the kids. Business kept running. And that's because of systems around leadership, systems around sales and systems around the business.
0: Mate, I love it, and for the listeners out there who haven't heard Scotty's story, go back to episode twenty-one. That's where Scotty and I we, we went into Scotty's background. It's a, it's quite a, it's inspiring, and it's it's what I love about it. It's it's what we all want to do. You know, we start we start out, we have a crack, we rip in for a long period of time, and it works out well. And I think that's the old you know that's the that's the uh, the ideal Australian story. But Scotty, talk. To, let's talk about listeners out there who are at that point where. What you just said there makes a lot of sense to them, but they're just, I suppose, shit scared for lack of a better word to put their hand in their pocket and hire someone. And they're worried about making that decision to have an extra wage bill, you know, versus them just doing it themselves and saving that wage.
1: Yeah, I'm hearing you. Um, you know, I mean, I had to do the work of three people before I could afford to hire one, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so It was a hard transition. But when it comes to leadership, why I looked at it was like an investment. So, you know, if I and back in the early days, if I was paying $50,000 a year for an employee, so after two years, I spent $100,000, then it was just a matter of getting a return off that employee. It didn't matter what I taught them, what I trained them, how good they became. If they left the nest and went and started their own business, I just needed to make sure it was a return on my investment. So if I spent fifty dollars or $100,000, or in the end, you know, it was half a million, million, dollars a year in payroll, I just needed to make sure it gave me the return. So, you know, one of, the, one of the beautiful things you can do when you're in business is you can duplicate. You can duplicate yourself, you can duplicate your product, and then you can duplicate your money. But duplicating yourself is one of the smartest things you could do. So I didn't want one Scotty in the business. I wanted 10 Scotties in the business.
0: So
1: I wanted wanted 10 Scotties in the business that could do as much as I could do. And that's when things really started to scale, but it had to start with the first person and the first person over hired, I also sacked. So
0: (laughs) don't worry, mate. we've all got plenty of those stories. Uh, (laughs) It wasn't your wife, was it?
1: No, she
0: wanted to sack all the way along. She was always wanting to lose her job. I know the feeling. Hey mate, you know what? I'm glad you said that because I look at it from a, I do everything from numbers, right? And I look at it from a, from a numbers point of view. And I love people knowing what the hourly rate is. And, and it's hard to find out, but if you spend a little bit of time and go, you know what? Well, once I've drilled everything down, I'm worth 200 bucks an hour. So if you've got to pay someone in your business, you know, let's call it 50 grand, a thousand bucks a week, but they give you back 20 hours of your week and you, you value your hourly rate at, at 200 bucks. There's four grand a week. So it's, 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 it's essentially 400% return on your money. So I a hundred percent agree what you say. And I think the, on the flip side though, Scotty, I think there has to be that you've got to go through those tough times where, you know, I've seen businesses where their payroll is 70% of their turnover and it's a, it's a hiding to nothing because maybe it's, maybe it's just laziness. Maybe it's error, error. in strategic judgment, but I think there's a balance isn't there between, you've actually got to rip and tear and do everything until you can afford to fund that person for an extended period of time.
1: Yeah. And that's right. And and the mindset of seeing them as an investment and also being aware they're only with you for a short period of time, it's my responsibility to get the best out of them, not the other way around. It's just a job for them. It's my business and my opportunity. Mind you, I created opportunities, but that's another story. Um, But yeah, I mean, you, you do, you have to, you have to knuckle down and you have to really try and develop these people and really the retain them for as long as you can and get the best value out of them. And if it's 70% of your turnover is your salaries, well, you know, I mean, that's okay if if, if that third's enough, but you still need to work out how to scale that up. You definitely need to work out how to get a better return on that money. Um, I mean, I had, a, I had a, a 50% margin in my business was what I had a goal of. You know, so 50% was expenses and 50% was mine. <laughs>
0: Do you have do you work off um, guidelines, Scotty, or is it too hard to say because it's, it's industry specific for for margins and stuff like that?
1: Well, it is industry specific, but what do you mean by guidelines? As in what people should and shouldn't do?
0: Yeah, like do you, for example, say that you should be trying to aim towards, you know, like I. Oh, Yeah, rough rules of thumb, a lot of sort of, um, you know, gurus or what have you out there would say that you should try to keep your expenses at, you know, total expenses including cost of services and wages at a maximum of 60% of your turnover or what have you. Do you sort of use any sort of rough guidelines or...?
1: No. um, i tell you what I did do though was I did because every business is going to be different, but I did like spending um, a lot of money on sales because I, I had a software product that obviously I had a subscription based model it was software as a service before software as a service became popular. So I spent all the money I got in new sales back on staff and de- staff development. So what formula people should have, I, I can't answer that one, what they should have, um, but certainly you need to know your number So you need to know how to scale or how to trim things down or how to get a good return but some people will will throw a formula out there like some sort of mba degree and it's got to be different for every business i mean there's no there's no way it's one size fits all from a mechanic shop to a restaurant you know it's just they've got to be completely different but i think you also need to be smart you're in business for only one reason and you're in business to make money and you need a business model you need a business system that does that and if you haven't got that business system you need to reach out to someone and say hey I'm happy to work for 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week, but I need to start making some more money. What do I do to work smarter rather than harder?
0: That's the key. And Scotty, what about people who are listening to this now? They've got an idea or they've got an opportunity, but they just need that, whether it's inspiration or whether it's tactics to go and start their first business. You know, what, would you have any advice to those people out there listening?
1: Well, it's funny, I had a session the other day with a guy, right? And he's in, the, he's in the medical industry and the health industry and, and, you know, he's not young anymore, but neither here nor there, right? Um, he's only a couple of years older than me. But anyway, he's yeah. sitting there and he's talking about this awesome business idea and all that sort of stuff. I'm going, oh, yeah, cool, excellent. And then he happened to drop. He's had the idea for five years and his wife goes, oh, no, it's been more like eight years. And I went, <laughs> mate, you're not going to do it. yeah Seriously. Yeah. You're not going to do it. Pivot, change it, do whatever you want. But if you've been thinking about this in five years, it's not going to work. You need a better one to come up with. If you want to go down that path, that's great, you know, but but you're going to have to pivot and change it now because it's not going to work. So just being motivated inspired or passionate is not enough to get you off the ground. You've got to have a real burning desire to go on return and turn an idea into a business to get it off the ground. And it's got to be a burning desire. And sometimes that happens because you lose your job. And all of a sudden you've got to have to make this other side hustle without the idea that I had work. But you really need that, like, you know, if, if I don't go and if I don't go and get some sales, I'm not gonna be able to feed the family or I'm gonna lose my house. And business when you first start, that transition needs to be that that much of a burn for you to get off your bum and go and do stuff. And um, like I said this guy the other day, mate, you you're you're not gonna do it. So either one or two things are going to happen now. He's either going to rethink it or he's gonna get off his ass and do it. But either way, it's been five years.
0: Time to ditch it or do it. 100%. You know what? And I sympathize because I was that shit scared employee, uh, you know, 10 years ago. And uh, I, you know what really made my mind up, Scotty? I, you know, a lot of people would say that's no, risky starting a business. I, I think it's, I look at the risk of working for someone for 30 years and the income that you would forego. I look at that as a way bigger risk than having having a crack and, you know, and a calculated crack. I'm all about, numbers right so i i don't think that you, and you need to have a certain certain skill set ability and experience in whatever business that you're doing and I, that's probably one of the things i see where people just go too left field without experience and they go from being an empo- uh, an employed fire firefighter to trying to sell you know women's shoes it's probably a little bit of a bridge too far so i think the and what i've um what i've seen scotty and you might agree is a lot of the uh, best businesses that i've seen have been the ones where they've done a little bit of moonlighting. So they've got like, like your like a your client there in the, they're, they're in the game, they're, they're on a salary, but then they've, they've done like a side hustle they've launched. And then that just becomes a time when they can afford to pull that trigger. Do you sort of think that's a, probably a, a, a less risky way of entering the, the, the business world as opposed to just, you know, burning the boats?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it is a less risky way, but you'll probably never let go of the other one. Um, but very few people take that real transition because um, it's a massive mindset difference. You know, the comfort of having the comfort of having a job over the top of all that risk is, is a massive leap of faith, you know, and you've got to get the timing right where, you know, potentially you've, you've got less of risk on the money you owe on the house or less of risk with the cars you've borrowed money for. So there's got to be that transition point where you either go, well, I'm going to clean everything out and go back to where I'm not owning any money and I'm prepared to buy another car again in a year's time, but I'm yeah, getting rid yeah, of all yeah. that liability right now so I can have a proper crack. At some point in time, you need to make that transition. You know, the very first consulting job I did in 2018 was with a school principal. Yeah, right. So I I met I drove down to Sydney, met with this school principal, right? So 12 o'clock, I turn up, he's not on time. So we ring him, quarter past 12, he goes, oh, I thought it was 12.30. Okay, fair enough, you know. Sure. Yep. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> Turns up at quarter to one. I said, "Man, this guy's never going to make it in private enterprise." You know, yeah. <laughs> 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 he's normally got students out there or teachers. They wait for him. He's the principal, and he wanted yeah. to go into private enterprise and be and be a coach. And I went, "I'm out. I'm not even going to talk to you anymore." You know, I'm happy to sit down and have my cup of coffee because I drove it this far, man. But yeah. I'm, not, I'm not giving you any business advice, man. You're never going to make it. But it's, you know, he, he would never have been able to transition unless he actually physically lost his job. And he got that that sense of responsibility and urgency that everything was important. And if I don't deliver what I promise here, I'm going to lose a client. I'm going to lose my money and then I'm going to lose my house. So, you know, he would still get paid whether. The teachers are happy or not, right? He's a school principal, and there's a big transition. So when you talk about, you know, burning the boats, that's when you'll actually make it work. But I can, can I give you another example? Of course. So I, I use this as an example all the time. So if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year right now, okay. So over the next ten years, that's a million bucks less your tax and a few expenses. Well, over the next twenty years, you know, let's go back ten years, let's go forward ten, and and have a look at it all. So, over the lifetime of your work, you know, you, you potentially gonna make two, $3, $4 million worth of money, right? So, any person has $100,000 a year as an example right now. Yep. Yep. And if that's not enough for everything you want, you're gonna to have to work out how to do something extra. You're gonna have <laughs> to work out how to do it. And you know, the beautiful thing about being a business owner is that if you're worth two or $300,000 a year, well, then you can get paid it because you're just gonna either do extra hours and work extra hard or you're going to work out how to be smarter, or you're going to work out how to duplicate yourself, or you're going to work out a duplicated product, and you can get paid exactly what you're worth. Otherwise, if you want the comfort of that 3 or $4 million in your lifetime as an employee, well, that's fantastic, but you're always going to have that comfort layer of 40 hours a week and that few million dollars if you want to go out and do more, or, or you're going to have to work out how to get a,
0: uh, you know, a
1: promotion in the job, Or you're going to have to work out how, no, no, that's not enough. I'm going to have to start a business. And most people have a career pivot, you know, about three times in their lives. So if you do it as a side hustle and make it a main hustle, you know, I've seen as an example, a school teacher who was doing programming on the side and then went and started his company.
0: Yeah. Mate, I love that. Scotty, I've actually, um, I'm just putting the finishing touches on, on, on my first book. And it's about that concept. Exactly. It's called. It's going to be called the number, right? And I am, I'm big on, you know, my wife and I, we still do it right. We, we know how much it costs us to live the lifestyle that we want. Right. And we're, you know, this is, I'm not sitting in a mansion here, but our our big thing is travel, right? We, we got two girls and you know, we, we want to just, you know, when we can, again, we just want to do laps of the globe right with our girls. So we, um, we spend a lot on travel, but we don't, you know, we don't have flashy cars or, or, or that stuff. Right. But the point I'm making is we know that our house needs X amount of year to live, to run off. Right. And that's including investing for our future and the kids and, and what have you. So, and the reality is, mate, like, I don't, I wouldn't be willing to to go and work for a company for me to earn that figure. Cause they would want me to work 80, 90 hours a week, right? If they're going to pay me that figure and, and, and you're probably the same. And a lot of listeners out there will be the same too. So for me, it was a, it was my only option, but I think it's really important that if you're, If you can do that, that, that exercise and figure out your number, then if you, if you, if you then go and then look at your wage or you and your partner's wage, and if it's not enough, then maybe that's the catalyst to go, okay, well, I've only got two options here. I need to increase my income or I need to adjust my lifestyle. And hopefully uh, we can motivate people to, to do the former there.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I'm really envious of the people that have jobs. And they knock off at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. They go home and they, they, they got their garden to do or they got a handyman shed at the back or they got other things like that. And I'm, I'm, I think that's fantastic because I never had that. I was always too busy being an entrepreneur and really trying to scale things up. You know, I often say I worked till I was 70. I just did it in half the time, you know. <laughs> but, but they chose that lifestyle, right? Yep. So they chose yep. the lifestyle and they, they've chosen that comfort and they've chosen that career and I, I'm totally all for it. So you and I are probably talking to different people here. Though. We, you and I are now right talking to people who are thinking about business and thinking of that entrepreneurial journey. And if anyone ever asked me, should I start my business? I always say, hell yeah, because you can get paid what you're worth. Yep. But here's yep. the catch. If you're not going to do all the things required, stay in your job. But if you're going to do all the things that are required of you, go and start a business because within two or three years, you can scale and get paid m- way more than you ever could as an employee.
0: Scotty. I love it. Anyway, you mentioned there two or three years. I, I I've got a bit of a theory that every business has like a, what I call like a three year push where I reckon from, from the first month, to the 36 month, that's where that's where the, the heavy lifting and you just become like a plough horse. You just ploughing through. Um, and I always say to people, they go, I want to start a business. i sort of say to them, listen, you happy to work, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day, almost seven days a week for three years and put your house on the line and, and not have a, not have much of a social life and, and always be off, you know, in another planet thinking about your business. And if the answer to that is yes, then I would say start a business, but, that's all the negative shit, right? But on the other side, i found it, maybe it's just with the businesses that I've owned and coached. i found after that sort of going into that fourth year, Scotty, you are generally starting to getting lifestyle back, whether that's through you've got the capacity to employ people, but also the income starting to come into your bank. Have you sort of found that timeframe to sort of hold tight? Well, I run
1: through, I run through a concept called the rule of 100. And every everything goes through this transition of a hundred, which is the first hundred seconds, the first hundred minutes, the first hundred hours, the first hundred days, and then the first hundred weeks, and the first hundred months. So the first hundred months more like your seven-year itch in marriage, but it's yeah. the same thing in business, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and after you've gone past a hundred weeks, if you haven't quit the business by then, you you're gonna you're gonna be hanging around for the, the hundred months, right? So that yep. seven, eight, nine year period, right? Before you start thinking, oh, should I sell the business? Should I pivot? What should I do? Yeah, right, that's right, right?
0: that's so true,
1: yeah. So if you get past the first two years and that's why your, your three year thing works because you, you've made that transition in your head that this business is the business, and then you start to really start to think longer term, and you've actually got traction. You've gone through the first hundred days where you weren't too sure, and you were trying to you're trying to get going, and you've you've busted to two years. And then all of a sudden things start to settle in. You know it's your business. You know you're going to make it, and then you start to work on things for the longer term. And that's why things after three or four or five years get a lot easier because you've gone through that maturity of time to settle things in. So you, what you're saying, I. I think is correct. I call it the rule of 100 though. The first 100 seconds, the first 100 minutes, the first 100 hours, the first 100 days, the first 100 weeks, and the first 100 months. You know, clients go on the same journey when they buy your product. There's that first 100 seconds? Is that first 100 minutes? Is that first 100 hours? Then, if they're going to retain clients, you know, first 100 weeks, you know, staff go through the same journey. So onboarding staff, first 100 seconds, the first 100 minutes, the first 100 hours. And if you want to retain staff, you've got to get them always past the next checkpoint. You know, so do you want to keep them more than three or four months, well, after a hundred days, you better have a plan for them. If you want to keep staff like more it. than two years, you've got to have a better plan for after two years.
0: And I like the um, I like the simplicity and you know, us being Aussies, uh, Scotty. You know, every uh, test cricketer lifting up that. You know, bad at the hundred. You know, it's I like the hundred that line in the sand where it's like, cool, yeah, right. Hundreds done. I reckon I can get two hundred today. The pitches, the pitch is looking good. You know that I like it. It's uh it's easy for us to get ahead head around. Um, mate, I don't want to hold you up, buddy, but I'll, and I do appreciate you coming on. But I just wanted to ask you um, probably one last tactic, if I could, about exiting a business. Okay, so let's let's talk about uh, that a hundred month, right? And yeah. let's say you've had enough, or or you've got another better opportunity, or you just want to you know, try something different when it comes to exiting Scotty, what's the, cause I know exiting a couple of businesses, it's not a friggin' two minute job. You've got to plan an exit and it takes forever. <laughs> Have you got any thoughts for people out there who might be established and are looking to maybe exit out of this and try something different?
1: Well, I guess if uh, I never built a business I wanted to sell, I always built a business I wanted to keep. So yep. I actually, I actually never wanted to exit out of Renet. And I made a few mistakes when i exited because um the first exit was fine so in 15 when i sold it that was fine and then when the a group of investors bought it you know, october 2017 that's when i really made the mistake so i didn't future plan myself there and um because i wanted to be i wanted to stay on as the founder yep. so you know, i was happy to stay within the business forever and just do what i'm doing now teaching training mentoring and just do it around the renet space. You know, it was going to be pretty cushy and easy, but unfortunately, <laughs> the new owners and I didn't see eye to eye and that never happened. <laughs> so look, I really, my, my thing was I built a business to keep, not a business to sell. And um, when I decided to sell, it was because I wanted to have someone come in and take away all the risk that I had for all those years. And I wanted to have a crack at like the US market and do all these risky things that I'd never done before, but with the help and leverage and, you know, of, of a bigger company. Yep. Unfortunately, that didn't work. So my advice is, you know, make sure you've, once once it's gone, it's gone. You can't go and get it back. So my advice is to make sure you've really thought about your exit and what else you're going to do. Um, like I was financially independent, so I just simply retired. I didn't, I didn't get caught out. In fact... I started sleeping again at night. It was pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you mean. There, there is a part of you that, you know, like you said there that m- maybe still wanted to be in that business. And I think that's, I'm really glad you said that Scotty, because you know, you might have a really good, you might be have a really great business and, and you might get a really good offer, but, you got it. And I've, I don't know if I made the mistake with my first business. I, I, I love some parts of that, but I hated other parts. So would I still want to be there in some capacity? I, I'm not bloody sure. I don't know, but I, I think I probably made the decision too quick to sell and you know, uh, the, 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 the carrot was getting dangled and you know, Financially, or even for my lifestyle, it would it have been better to retain a, a piece of that and, and, and sit on it in some capacity? Maybe so. So I'm glad you said that, mate, because a lot of people they get that little carrot dangling and they, they jump at it and they just figure out what's next. And sometimes, you know, it's it, you sort of it's very hard to replicate what you've already got. I've found, you know, and sometimes you know it's yeah. So, mate, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that to finish off, buddy. Good. Thanks so much for joining us there. I really hope you got something out of that chat with Scotty. As you can see, Scotty's just a laid-back, cruisy bloke, but he knows his stuff back to front. And he's helped so many businesses just install a simple system into their business, which has helped them increase their profits and improve their lifestyle. So um, what I'll do, I've got um, details of Scotty's system in the show notes. So head over there, check out Scotty's system. I guarantee it'll be worth your while. And if you have any other questions, feel free to head over to tonycane.com Thanks for listening. Look forward to catching up in the next episode.